Welcome back, everybody. Thirsty Thursday, number 25. Uh, this is the uh, conclusion of the first season, the first year of Thirsty Thursdays for Strike the Box. So um, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started and kick things off. Tonight, we have the one and only Skip Carey uh, joining us tonight. And we're talking about history and tradition in the fire service. And um, before we go any further, cheers, brothers. It's always good to see you. And in continuation of uh, St. Patty's Day. Um, so the reason we got we have Skip on with us tonight is, um, again, we're talking history and tradition. And since Skip wrote most of it and was there for most of it, um, we thought it was the most appropriate person to join us. Um, so <laughs> love you, Skip. Love you all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, as we get moving through tonight, if you guys uh, – for those of us, for those of you that are joining us, um, put your comments down uh, in the comments section on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we'll we'll be sure to kick those up and, and chat about those. But um, just looking for a great conversation tonight about some of the the great stuff and stuff that we've seen uh, and changes in, in the traditions in the fire service. So, with that being said, uh, we'll just kind of kick it around and we'll get down to Skip to do a little intro. One of the things that I think is critical nowadays in the fire service is that we impart the importance of tradition to the truth. Everybody gets hung up on tradition. Oh, we can't do it that way uh, and anything new because we did it that way and it's tradition. Well, tradition is a truly double-edged sword. It's an anchor that holds you in the past, very much so. But it's also a sail that will carry you to the future. And without us imparting to the young troops the traditions and why they're there, simple thing. Why is it called a plug? Why is it called a hose wagon? You know, why is it called a halligan bar? Unless they know that, I don't feel that they can have the love or the concern for the fire service. It's it's a way of life. It's not a necessarily a job, and every one of the four of us here have earned a living by doing it. But every one of the four of us here have done it for nothing, you know, because we love it. We teach, all four of us teach, because we love it. And we love it because of the tradition and the knowledge that was placed in us and the worth of that when we came in, you know. And uh, it's, I, ju I just think the history and the tradition are something that we don't teach enough of nowadays. In the old days in Maryland in the 60-hour basic class, we had a whole section on tradition that we taught. And that sort of ended up becoming about a paragraph or two now and, and gone by the wayside. But it's important. If I know why and I understand, you know, why things are, why, why the metals and FDNY are what they are, how they take, I have a better understanding and a better appreciation. And if I have a better appreciation of the job, I will do the job better and it will not become a job. It will become, or it will not become a task. It will become a labor of love 
even though you're crawling down that hallway to that back bedroom and you're asking yourself why you're doing it, you know, or you're bailing out off of the roof and saying, why, why am I up here? It's still a labor of love, you know? <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, yeah right, I, I, <laughs> That's my thoughts on it, you know, on why it's important. Thanks, Skip. What, just, um, just before we go any further, um, just c could you share like your, your years of experience, kind of where you've been um, and what you did? I I'm going to say real quick, but we all know that that's not the case. Contrary to popular belief, I was not in the Salisbury Fire Department when we had horses. Okay. That was one of the things I was going to ask you. Yeah, because yeah, I, I do. One, one of you three would. I started in 1966 when uh, in Salisbury as a volley, and I spent 26 years and a couple of days there as a volley. Yeah, and then I went to Ocean Pines as a career paramedic and firefighter, and when my wife, who was president at the time, got the letter from Fair Labor that said you couldn't volley where you got paid. He said, you can't come back anymore unless we call you. So then I went over to the beach. And I spent 10 years over there. Uh, ended up some of the, the best years I had was when Trevor and I were the co-captains of training. He was career and I was volley. And we had some kick-ass training in those days. Some good times. Now, uh, I taught for the University of Maryland for uh, 20 years all over the state. I primarily taught uh, the rescue program and the uh, intermediate or advanced at that time fire program, which was tactics, special fires, and TCO. Uh, I spent 12 years as a uh, ladder captain, 100-foot rear mounts, uh, La France. Had some of the greatest times there. I ended up at Salisbury as assistant chief a couple of times. I wasn't worth a damn as an assistant chief, uh, flat out. You know, I wanted to be inside putting the wet stuff on the red stuff or cutting a hole in the roof. And uh, consequently, I did get to do that. And then ultimately at the beach, I uh, ended up being a lieutenant and, and a lieutenant and then the captain in charge of training. And had a had a blast there with uh, the diagonal corner people. There we uh, we had we had some good times, very good times there. And uh, and at uh, I retired from there with 51 active years. I uh, was an interior firefighter or on the roof all the time. The day before I retired, I was a captain in charge of a fire at the beach. Uh, and it, I didn't uh, I didn't spend 25 years like a lot of people do as a firefighter I didn't spend another 25 sitting in the back bitching about everything I bitched <laughs> from the front row the whole time <laughs> and uh, I'd like to think I, I made an impression on some people good impression I know I definitely made a bad impression on a few but it uh, it was interesting my dad was a volunteer at Salisbury one of my wives was a volunteer there. My oldest son was a volunteer there. And uh, it was uh, 
it was an interesting, the whole 51 years, an interesting time. I uh, paid the price with a couple of marriages. I uh, got banged up a lot because I was where the action was. That's where I wanted to be. Do I regret either single minute of it? Absolutely not. If I was young enough or even if my body worked well enough, I'd still be doing it. it it's the... It's the greatest and most rewarding thing that I think there is, other than than a military career. And a military career and it are pretty much the same thing, really. That's me. Thanks, Skip. What you see is what you get. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I know one of the the things that I was thinking about as we were getting ready for this, um, you guys have uh, have seen – a lot of change in your careers in the fire service. So what, what has been the biggest and maybe the most impactful change that you guys have seen um, since you started? And it, that can kind of go to whoever. Um, so we just kind of open that up to everybody. Well, Ben, if you don't mind, if I uh, kind of add my voice to the chorus here for a minute, I just want to start out by saying, Skip, thank you very much for coming on. And Ben and Bobby, as always, appreciate you being here. Um, Skip is a person I've had the privilege of not only learning from, but also learning with. Um, had a chance to be his student, his co-worker, and then a fellow instructor. So that's a very unique opportunity to be able to go through part of your fire service career with somebody <clears throat> and also... Um, you'll be able to share that part of history. And Ben, you and I had an offline conversation earlier that you know, we look at history in the fire service and we talk about you know, this big call, that big call, um, you know, 9-11, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, the case studies, this, that, and the other. But what people in the fire service, I think, really need to realize right now, and this didn't become apparent to me until more recent years, you're living part of your fire department's history right now. And you might not realize it or understand that your impact. And just like Skip was saying, you know, if, if you want to make an impression in the fire service, make sure it's more than your ass dent in the fricking recliner in the day, in the day room. Um, and with that being said, you, you have no idea the amount of influence that you have, whether it's just how you treated somebody today on the job, um, maybe a small comment. And I remember at my, um, my first retirement party, I'll put it that way. <laughs> People would come up to me and say, hey, I remember you said this to me. And I really didn't have that much of a memory of it, but they did. And it was indelible. And to me, it might have been something that was just very kind of you know, in the line of duty or something inconsequential. But you, know, you really have to understand what impact that you do have. And, and also appreciate the history of your department. Um, and this is where I want to kind of bring Skip into the fold again. And once we go around the horn is, uh, you know, Skip was the commandant of our academy class, the last uh, class that him and I taught together. And that was one of the great things is that not only bringing Skip in to talk about history and tradition in the fire service, because he's been just a purveyor of that and a great historian, but also when we had the guys sit down with the retirees for lunch, and that was probably one of the few breaks they got, but just to sit down and shut up and listen for a few minutes. we, We stand on the shoulders of a lot of great people that came before us and Unfortunately, sometimes those names and faces erode with the sands of time, honestly. And we can't let that happen because there's a lot of great information that's, that's occurred. Um, you know, I look at some of the calls that uh, you know, even before 
I work with Skip in Ocean City. I, I go back to the, um, you know, when you were, uh, I, th- I don't remember if you were assistant chief or ladder captain. And I think you, I think you were, uh, you know, you were the train tracks on the ladder, ladder one out of Salisbury. And um, actually Fulton Bagwell, God rest his soul, was the assistant chief. We had the, the uh, Willard's Lions Club fire. And it was one of those y'all come big deal fires. And, you know, of course, we're all there doing the deed. And I still remember to this day, um, you know, getting as close to the building as we could. You know, we were in that extinguishment culture that our, our brother Ray talks about quite a bit, trying to get it done. And they said, okay, pull back. The building's unstable. And right about the time we were pulling back, the wall starts coming down. And, you know, you know Skip, Skip and I, you know, body style wise are a little bit different. Not too bad. He's more like a leprechaun. I'm more like uh, not. But anyway, I'm, I'm more of a husky kid. And I just still remember um, us both running away from a collapsing wall and all of a sudden Skip and I are the same height and his legs are going like this. And Mike Hickman had a hold of both of our asses because he was behind us, pushing us away from the building um, as we were all escaping. And, you know, when when Skip was one of my instructors, you know, saying, hey, son, uh, you boys don't want to go up that stairwell at this control burn. Um, <laughs> and I'll, 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 let, I'll let Skip tell that story. But, you know, um, Skip. I'll say this, and you might want to mark this as a point in history. You were right. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it there. But anyway, um, <laughs> the whole point of my rant is this. Realize that you know there's a lot of great people who've contributed to the history of your department, known and unknown to you. But right now, you are living and making part of the history in your department. And if you don't have any traditions, now might be a good time to start some. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But I want to kick it around the horn and then, Skip, if you don't mind uh, regaling us a little bit with um, maybe a, a young firefighter who was a little bit too big for his britches and, and how you uh, kind of brought us back to center. But, uh, you know, Bobby and Ben, if you guys want to go around the horn real quick with stuff, and then we'll kick it back to Skip. Go ahead, Bobby. Okay. Well, it's so good to have Skip here. He's been such a friend to us for so many years. Uh, I first met Skip in the 80s. Um, Skip was my first high angle instructor back when it was fun. Um, so, but, you know, all of us here know what a Ben Franklin helmet is, and Skip actually knew Ben Franklin. <laughs> Hi, Skip. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ben, Ben, you asked me a good question, what changed, and, and you guys know, and people that work with me know, and anyone who watches the show knows that I'm, I'm really a science geek. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy about the science of what we do. You know, why, why does this hose line work? Why does this nozzle work? Why does what's happening with fire and the, the ventilation impact studies and the stream management studies and all the stuff that's going on has been absolutely phenomenal. And if you can couple that with the histor- history of the fire service, uh, the commitment to go inside, the commitment to rescue people, and then plug that science in, not forgetting about the history of our mission. Um, because there was a time a few years ago, just a few years ago, where I felt like the history was lost and the science was kind of being interpreted as we don't, we're not supposed to do our job anymore. As a matter of fact, it kind of felt like we were being told we were fools for doing our job of getting deep inside of a building on fire or trying to rescue the people inside of that building. So, um, you know... Uh, I just, I'm so excited today. Um, you know, last night, what I did for St. Patrick's day, what I taught a firefighter one class. Um, and I, you know what, there wasn't a better place to be. 
Um, they ha we have a brand new curriculum. It's from IFSTA. And as many people know, I was not a very big IFSTA fan for a long time. Um, I, I thought they, they really fell off in doing some of their stuff. But this program is fantastic. Trevor, you'll be happy to hear. There's over six, there's six hours and over 200 slides just for fire behavior alone. You're kidding. Uh, no. There's 200. There's over. There's six hours just in building construction. Uh, it it uh, if you if you get your hands on that manual, the manual is that thick. From it's 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 phenomenal. Oh, we lost Skip. Internet in Ocean Pines. Um. So, <clears throat> hey, uh, can you issue the silver alert, please, until we get Skip back? Go ahead, Bobby. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. He knew, he knew uh, Ben Franklin. He just didn't know what, um, what's his name, Bell. <clears throat> so, uh, but anyway, so, so exciting things. Uh, I just read the new fire engineering today and um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, there's a, there's an article, the editor's article from Bobby Halton was the first one. And it's something that everybody that is entering the fire service now should read about why we take the risk um, and why some people don't think we should take the risk. It's just, it's a phenomenal thing for a brand new guy uh, to read. Um, the second article, our, our friend Ray McCormick uh, wrote a, a simple, very basic hand line deployment in the, in the front of a structure, a little bit of a spin on a different change in how you lay your hand line out, which makes great sense. So he's took an old tradition and an old style and he's actually gave it a good, a good twist. And the last one is Nick Pappas. Um, he's, um, and his is a very, uh, extensive and comprehensive um, article on what we used to call tactical ventilation at a whole nother level. Uh, recognizing the science, recognizing the flow paths, recognizing hand lines in place. Um, and so you go through these three and it's almost like you can go through a, a, a basic, a, an intermediate, and an advanced all in one magazine. So all those things are where I think you tie the tradition together with the science. Um, and the tradition is we go in and we help people and we save their stuff. And the science is how to do it better. Uh, and I think that was lost in the fire service. And I feel very confident it's coming back in the fire service. And now it's about helping all of our firefighters uh, get to that level where, it, where in their heart uh, they can commit to going inside of these buildings. But in their mind, in their hands, they learn how to do it without getting killed. And I think that's, you know, to me, that's kind of ties it all together. Um, so, and there's lots of other traditions. I mean, Trevor, while we're waiting for uh, Skip to be get back on, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, but, man, I so love when you talked about the history of the Maltese cross and the New Yorker helmet in our graduation class for one of our academy classes. You, you want to try to talk about that for a little bit while Ben gets uh, Skip back on here? Bobby, don't threaten me with a good time. All right. Yeah, um, I, I'll definitely do that. And that's one of the things that, you know, I, I came from a department that had a lot of history where I served with you guys and Skip to a department that had um, it only started in the you know, 1960s. And so that that was very weird for me. I mean, I was used to a lot more from the mid-Atlantic and, and northern states. And they certainly had some of their traditions, which we've not only kept, but we've also enhanced. But that's what I want to encourage some folks too. If, if you don't have a lot of history, and I'm not saying contrive something, but if you, if you don't have any traditions, you can always bring some up. And one of the things I thought was so great in Ocean City, and I've transported that down here, was the badge pinning and explaining the meaning of the Maltese cross. 
and the sacrifice that those soldiers made um, way back in the day to you know, brave the heat and smoke and, and certain death to save their brothers. So that was one of the things that when we when we give the badge to somebody and I do this, um, you know, I make sure that when we do our badge pinning, it's not just a ceremony for the the firefighter and their family and friends. That That's vitally important. We do it at a, uh, a commission meeting or a, a council meeting, essentially. So the mayor, the, the commission and the public are there and the firefighter paramedic is there when they receive their badge, they're told. You know, this isn't just an outward invisible sign of, of your job. And we talk about the history behind the Maltese Cross, but this is a contract between you and the community you serve. This is a shield. This is your protection for them. And so when they accept that badge, they accept an obligation. And so at that point in time, they're looking at the very people they're going to be serving and the people they're serving are looking them in the eye. And of course, we also recognize the families because when you all are away and, and Ben, you've got a young family now. When you all are away during regular shifts, uh, you leave in the middle of the night for the volunteers who get up and go and at a moment's notice, or you're we're at a deployment such as a hurricane, you're serving hundreds or thousands of families while yours is back home taking care of themselves, essentially. So we got to remember the the other folks that serve in this is our families, um, you know, our spouses, our our children, and you know, and they certainly pay the sacrifice as well. And we always make sure that we acknowledge them. Um, one of the things is, Bobby, you're talking about too. And of course, I you know, bring bring the shameless props with me. Is you know, we're all we're all big into in, wearing our, our helmets, our leather helmets, or this style of helmet. And that's a great thing. But you, know, we didn't we didn't invent this. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis on what's going on. And um, you know, Ben, hopefully, when we get skip back, I'd love for him to talk about it because he says it so much more eloquently than I can. But if you, if you look at a helmet, even even the ones that are made from the composites, if you look on the back brim and you see the scroll work of the evergreen, that's something that we took from you know, soldiers of long ago who, if, if they had saved the life of, of their brethren in the line of duty, they wore a wreath of evergreen around their head when they marched through parades. Well, the American Fire Service had brought that in. Look at that. Yep. Hey, can, uh, cancel the silver alert. Can, silver alert is canceled. Skip Carey is back. Look at that. Skip, I'm not going to steal your thunder. Uh, we were right in the middle of talking about the leather helmet, but what I was getting at was uh, the scroll work on the back when you know, we've imported that with the American Fire Service. Uh, ben Franklin, your fraternity brother, I believe, um, from you know, Edom Esapai, whatever, whatever fraternity you were in back in the day. But you know, we, we look at that and the scroll work on the back is reminiscent of the evergreen. And we, that was transported in from ancient times. But, you know, the, the first uh, American firefighters, if they had saved life in the performance of their duties, when they walked in the, in the annual parades in their communities, their helmets were adorned with a wreath of evergreen. That scrolled into our helmets to remind us that our job is to save lives. We are, we are here for the service of others and the protection of others. So every firefighter now, has that scrolled in her helmet, and a lot of them don't even realize it. And even at that, and again, Skip, I want I want you to take this because I'm going to talk about the eight comb. But you know, I know you've worn a uh, 16, and I believe a 64 comb. I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, um, but you know, you look you look at the eight different combs that are on a leather helmet. Oh, and by the way, Skip, I'm sorry. Um, I think this came off your walker. I'll, I will mail this back to you. It got all the way down here. I don't know how, but um, this tennis ball is coming back to you. I think it's off the, might be the left or right foot of your walker. I'm not sure. But anyway, 
coming it, to you in the mail. It is Florida, so that's probably a common thing down there. It is, but Apparently. this actually has the uh, this actually has the initials WNC on it for you know WN Carry. So I'm I'm pretty sure this is skips. But anyway, coming to you in the if hot. You all live as long as I have, you'll be in the same boat. Uh, <laughs> well, if I become fossilized one day, no, no. Anyway, but moving forward, when we talk about the different combs on leather helmet, the standard one that we have, and even the composite helmets, have a typically eight combs to them, and. They, they represent the eight points of a Maltese cross. If you look at the Maltese cross, they actually have eight points on them. And the four, car, the four cardinal virtues are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. But if you expand that out to the eight, it's to you know, live in truth or be truthful, be sincere, be humble, be just, and you know, seek justice, be merciful and compassionate, have endurance, be pure of heart, and be repentant. So, you know, we, we, always, we always go back to our roots. We always go back to what we know. So you know, something as simple as this lid that we stick on our head to, to, to keep the old brain vault protected has a lot of significance and meaning. So when we sit this up on the desk at an academy graduation next to your badge, there's a lot of meaning behind that. A lot of people that came before us that made a lot of sacrifices. But some, some firefighters in modern day, and Bobby, to your point, I'm so glad to hear that we're starting to see a resurgence of these things. And it's important to know why. So with that, I'm going to shut up and turn it over to Skip. Um, actually, FedEx is here to pick this up. So uh, overnight, you should get this by 1030 tomorrow morning. Anyway, Skip, go ahead and uh, continue on with the helmet, please, if you will. The helmet is also, originally, the helmet was a stove pipe hat made out of leather what they used and uh subsequently that didn't give the protection if you look at the helmet itself the back of it keeps the hot water stuff from going down the neck of your bunker coat they've added the uh eye shields on the front which uh i found basically are so you look cool you know i never thought they were that good to begin with and that but the the shield on the front is is uh it's, it's a badge of honor. It's like the old knights of old. When they had their shield, they had their crest painted on it. They carried their shield, fought. You know, it was right there so you could see who they were. That's what this is. It's so people can see who we are, other departments, when we're working. You know, the device that holds the, uh, the shield in place uh, can be a very simple piece like this, or it can be very ornate. Uh, the high eagle helmets that you talk about, they had an eight inch tall shield. It came way, way up high and worked uh, like that. The helmet itself is the same as the knight's helmet uh, it, of, of old. The other interesting thing, everything Trevor was telling you about the helmet, three of us in this four picture uh, shot are all brothers in two worlds. We're uh, Masonic brothers, plus we're fire service brothers. But a lot of the stuff that Trevor was telling you about also applies to us as Masons, uh, which is kind of interesting, you know, that, that the two worlds cross. And you'll find that a lot of fire service people are Masons. I'd like to go back to something Trevor said before. When he talked about a uh, old instructor uh, 
giving words of wisdom to a young troop. I burned a lot of buildings when I was in Salisbury. We had a lot of old buildings and we burned them. And it was the days before 1403. So we burnt real buildings. We didn't strip them and, and everything else. You had the carpets on the floor. You had the asbestos shingles popping when you went up. And you hey, had the paper. Skip, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Was that the 1403 NFPA standard or the year 1403? Which one are you talking about? Standard. The standard. Oh, nice shot. I don't know who put the, that one. This I, was, this was from Skip's class like before they went and burned those buildings. Yeah. But this, we, this, Skip, this is actually a picture of your first uh, firefighter basic class. We want to throw up there. Yeah. But go ahead, please. And you'll notice that's before uh, – uh, what is it that new crap you you all are teaching with now? PowerPoint. Uh, PowerPoint. PowerPoint. That was before PowerPoint. Uh, we had a building. In the, we burned a lot of buildings in Salisbury, and a lot of the guys from Ocean City because you can't burn many buildings in Ocean City, you know, because the sandbar you just can't burn them. Well, they would come up to Salisbury with us, Trevor, uh, Maycrantz, you know, a whole bunch of them. They would come up there and have a blast. Well. I'd let them, you know, come on, burn. I'm, I'm, I'm burning next Saturday. You want to come? We're burning this uh, structure, and it's a two-and-a-half-story structure. And uh, the uh, – was it second floor or attic, Trevor? Second floor. Second floor got cooking really good. Well, I had uh, two young studs from Salisbury, and I had Trevor, and I had Maycrans. And they were firmly convinced they could put the fire out. And a stairway came down, made a well, there's thunder again, came down and made a about a five step angle. So I'm standing there like this and I'm telling them, it's too much. We're going to back out. Oh, no, man, Cap, we, we can put it out. We'll take these two lines up. We'll put it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can put it out. I said, okay, try it. I'm sitting there leaning like this on the post for the for the rail. And they go up saying, hey, I mean, they're going, they're advancing hose, and you know, and the smoke's rolling down, and it's still black. It ain't changed to white or gray. It's black. And then all of a sudden I hear, and I look, and here come four of them rolling down the steps. You know, bang. Well, they hit the angle, so it didn't go this way. And, and I can remember Trevor looked up at me, and I said, "I told you so." <laughs> and it went out. But you know, that's the kind of training and education we had then. I'm, I'm not saying what we have today is bad. I'm just saying it's different. He totally different. And. Uh, that goes through the tradition. We had the tradition that, that, you know, when I came into fire service in 66, they gave me a pair of waterman's boots, three-quarter boots. They didn't have steel shanks or anything in them. They gave me a black canvas coat with a sewn-in uh, flannel liner that came down to my ankles. No scotch laid on it. They gave us a plastic MSA helmet, which is just a tad better than the helmets we hand out to the kids at fire prevention. You got a pair of brown work gloves and a pair of black Arster gloves, rubberized gloves to put on over. And the uh, the training was there's and we'll just use there's Bobby, 
follow him. He'll show you what to do. And we followed. And that that's part of the tradition of fire service is the following the individual. And I think the term now is the senior man, isn't it? That you read about, listen to the senior man and at the, the, the meal table and everything. But that was that was a tradition. And that's how we learned. And subsequently, we we learned that maybe you ought to have some scotch light on the coach so people can see you in the dark. And, and maybe a ladder shank and, and stuff and uh, a steel intersole in the boot would be kind of nice. And maybe it didn't have to come down to you. The coat didn't have to come down to your ankles. A lot of things. But the tradition of following the individual that knows. And you have to be very careful because there's a lot of people in the fire service today that think they know. And there's a lot of people in the fire service that are in positions of training and stuff that have never crawled down that hallway to that back bedroom where that fire's coming out of that door saying, come to me. And if you don't believe fire is a living, breathing entity, you're going to get hurt real quick, real fast, because it's just as alive as either one of the four of us here. And you have to understand it and you have to know it. Now, but, you know, the traditions that we have, the helmets, you know, the badges, the Maltese cross, the Knights of, <coughs> the Knights of Malta. Now, Skip, Skip, I was going to ask about that. Trevor, Trevor did a fantastic job covering the helmet. Uh, but we haven't covered it. Can you talk a little bit about the Maltese cross and how it came about and, and give us the history of that? Uh, I'm not as knowledgeable on that as Trevor is. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not as knowledgeable. I know the Maltese cross originated with the Knights of Malta, which goes back to something that we're totally familiar with, the Templars. And, and the hospitals and all of them. And, and it goes back to a service organization. You know, but uh, I would, I would, I would say that I would probably misinterpret and say something wrong. I would, I would prefer Trevor to, to talk about that. I'm going to give the reader's digest version because of course, you know, there's, there's several versions of history that go along, but when the Knights Templar and the Saracens were, you know, at, at war with each other, uh, you know, the Knights Templar came across a very, very new weapon of war, which was fire. It was naphtha, which if you kind of... Lost you. Trevor, we can't hear you, brother. Yeah. Hey, my, my, my son just checked in, checked in. Hey, Dad. Hey, Bill. Hey, I'm you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Outstanding. All right. So uh, essentially, when the um, during the Crusades, when the Knights Templar were uh, fighting against the Saracens, there was a brand new weapon of war, which was essentially fire, and it's the it was that era's version of modern day napalm. Essentially, it was a fatty reduction that was thrown over the walls onto the people trying to attack the, the, the walls of the fortress. And then they would lob either flaming arrows or you know, balls of fire literally down there. And when they, you know, when they literally these soldiers were 
burning and on fire, their brethren would rush in to save them. And you know, being from the island of Malta, they, they wore the Maltese cross, which transitioned into save, you know, saving your own, saving your brethren or your fellow man from the ravages of, of you know, fire and certain death. So those were the, the you know, kind of our very basic beginnings that kind of came forward in that and the eight points of the Maltese cross that we talked about earlier. And, you know, of course, there's different interpretations over the years and some variations, but the, the, the thread remains the same is that it's based in service. It's based in brotherhood. It's based in making sure that, uh, you know, so others may live. And, you know, these are some of the things that I look at and I want to kind of, you know, circle back to you, Skip, um, on this because you, th these are all the important things. Like we said, when we do the badge pinning and we give them that that shield, that Maltese cross that goes on their chest as that, as that symbol of protection and obligation. And I use that term very intentionally. It's an obligation as a firefighter, EMT, firefighter, paramedic, whatever your title might be between you and the people you're serving. And that is an outward and visible sign that you should always remember. And with that, you know, let's let's go back to the origins of the uh, U.S. Fire Service, where I think we got some folks uh, on the screen here that got a little bit of Irish in them, maybe. I'm not real sure, not 100%. But, you know, when there is a lot of immigrants, yeah, just saying that there's absolutely no drinking here whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, going, going back to the, the, you know, the genesis of this in the United States, when the American Fire Service, you know, of course, the father of the American Fire Service being Ben Franklin and some of the, you know, just ingenious things that he came up with that we're still using today. But also looking at when a lot of Irish and Scottish immigrants first came to this country, weren't really welcome and weren't really thought very highly of and could not get jobs. And Skip, uh, I'm, I want you to kind of go through, if you don't mind, the uh, the Nina days, the, um, the no Irish need apply and, and how how we we as some of those people from those Celtic nations actually became firefighters and police officers, the dangerous jobs that nobody else wanted. And, and we got the crappiest pay for to do the most dangerous jobs. And you, know, you look today, um, you, you don't see very many fire department ceremonies without a set of pipes and some kilts. So, uh, Skip, would you mind taking it from there? Right. Originally, the Irish were slaves that were sent over here as slaves. They were less in rank of the slaves rather than the Africans that were sent over. And we, we weren't valued as much as they were. And there were three jobs that were open to the Irish. And they were basically the only three other than common labor, digging ditches and stuff like that. And that was cop, fire, or priest. That was all that was all there was that was open to us. And if you stop and look at those three, what's the common thread in all of those? And it's care and concern for mankind. So while the sign said, dogs and Irish keep off of the grass, no Irish need apply, you know, they had a group of individuals filling a need for the country, the, the, the basic care for people uh, going into fires. And, uh, you know, if you really stop and look, there isn't a whole lot of difference between cops and firemen and really a priest. Not a whole lot of difference. 
we're all concerned with mankind. To some degree, we're all concerned with the afterlife as we try to protect everybody. We are basically a very stubborn group, the, the three uh, job groups. And uh, a priest won't, won't give up trying to save somebody. A cop won't. And of course, us, the firemen, we won't. You know, there are only two things that go in a burning building. You take a horse in a barn, you get him out of the barn on fire. Unless you secure him, he'll go back in the barn. He goes back in. Now, we go in. Get a fire in an undesirable area and look. And you'll find cockroaches coming out of a fire. Who goes in? Us. Is that a... Is that a honor? Is that a condemnation? What is it? I think it's very simply that we, along with our brother Elios and our priest, we are concerned with mankind. We're one of the few jobs that are. Doctors and nurses are too, but you don't endanger your life for that. You look at the three categories that I mentioned, and the, every one of those will endanger their life. One of one of the coolest people in the world, and one of the first people to die at 9-11 was a priest, by the judge. He was there. He didn't have to be there. He was there because it was his job. He was there. He died. You look at the military. There have been five chaplains in the history of the United States military that have won the Congressional Medal of Honor. Come on. You know, last rights is something else you're giving somebody. But think about this. Think about back in the beginning when that was the only thing they could do. And they've, they've built upon that. And, and, and it's the tradition. And, and we cannot... We should not ever, ever overlook the tradition. The, the symbolic of the Maltese cross, four arms interlocked, each supporting the other arm. And if you look at the design of it, it does. It each supports the other arm. The helmet, the laurel wreath on the back, yeah. the, the front, it's a shield like the old knights of, of old had. You look at all of this stuff, and it's, it's an important part. It is as important as Bobby's knowledge of you multiply the coefficient times this figure and that figure and you get X number coming out. You know, that that's, okay, you open the nozzle, the water comes out on, wet goes on red, red goes wet, close the nozzle. Shit. Shoot. Excuse me. You're good. <laughs> we got some good lightning around here. Uh, you know, you look at, at, at that. Yeah, we you. What? Just so you know, God's mad with you for talking about me like that. Yeah. I'm talking for him. Hey, you know, I'm <laughs> for him. You know, but, but you know, you look at that and you stop and you think, and you say to yourself, "Where are we going? How 
are we going to instill this in the young troop coming in? Because my opinion is a lot of things about tradition and the way things are, are not being taught to the young people of today, by and large. You know, by and large, it's not. So consequently, if they don't have a basic understanding, how are is these four individuals that faces are here going to take this young kid and, and say, hey, you know, you got to know why the Maltese cross has got four arms and that so you can go down that hallway and put the fire out. And the first thing they're going to say is that old fart's crazy. And they may be right. You know, they may be right. But we're crazy in a good way. And the, the four of us here represent, and we're a, a wide age group. I guess I'm probably the oldest. I'm probably the oldest here, right? <laughs> if I had to guess, yes. <laughs> and I'd say, hey. man, you're you're probably the youngest, right? Mm. Hey, hey, Skip, and, I'm, and I'm pretty the, sure you hey. was, was what wasn't what weren't you the senior man on on uh, Moses's shift? No, I made the burning bush. I was a lineman on the burning bush. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it's hard, and it's hard to get them to understand. You know, and, and Trevor, boy, you know, he'll understand. Nobody's ever going to have to to get it through his head. Your little girl will understand. You know, my grandchildren understand. My son that kicked in and said, "Hi, Dad." who does the blogs for fire engineering and uh, or for the publishing. He understood from the beginning. Now, it's the non-fire person that comes in to the fire department that we've got to be concerned with, and we really have to concentrate on them to get them used to this tradition concept. And, and a, simple, a simple little thing, and I know Trevor used to use this all the time about a plug. Why do you call it a plug? And, and and he would draw on the board and show why you called it a plug. Now, are those of us that like destroying things, why do you call it a Halligan bar? Mainly because a little shark captain named Hugh Halligan got tired of lugging multiple tools for forcible entry. So he sat down and designed three tools. Jumping. He designed three tools into one. Yeah. And this is why, you know, it, it's important to them to, to know this. I, I I think we've, and Trevor was a MIFRI instructor. I was. You weren't, were you, Bobby? You were DSFS instructor. Well, he, he's also yep. a MIFRI instructor now. What? What'd you say, Ben? He, he's, at, he's teaching for MIFRI now, too. You're teaching for Miffrey now, too? You can't say it on the air of Delaware here, Skip. Quiet down. I can say DSFS. I can say any, you know, what thing I want to say. I'm retired. What are you going to do to me? Take away my pension? <laughs> you know? Uh, we we all were instructors. And, and we, we have a, I think, we have a duty above and beyond what our teaching organization says or says we should do. We have a duty 
and the fact that we're all officers, uh, which we all are, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Because you're a captain, right, Ben? And Bobby's a, whatever, the, you're a lieutenant, captain, or admiral, or whatever you're calling it now. Uh, like back, uh, right? And, of course, Trevor, he's God. He's got the five trumpets, but he can talk to everybody. Yeah. And I'm just a has-been, uh, old uh, EMS relic, old has-been. Hey, Skip. Yeah. I'll, I'll share I'll share this with you that uh, old um, Donald Fisher shared with me, Chief Donald Fisher. And he, uh-huh. says, he said it's better to be a has-been than it ever was. was. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, have we talked about, speaking of officers and stuff, have we have we got into speaking trumpet yet? Frank and Signia? No, not yet. Go ahead. And now I'm doing all the mouth and let somebody else mouth. Yeah. That's why you're the guest, Skip. <laughs> you're probably going to get a whole herd of comments. And why did you ask him to be on this show? What's Liz said? Dang, you hear the thunder in the background. God is enjoying the show. <laughs> Tradition. Speaking trumpets. They were the first radios. And they worked a heck of a sight better than any of the radios we got. Now, you didn't have any buttons to push or anything. You just put them up to your mouth and yelled through them. Rudy Valley used them when he was uh, doing his shows and stuff. For ones of you that might that parents might remember who Rudy Valley was. Uh, now, they became a symbol of uh, rank. A single trumpet was a lieutenant. Double trumpets were a captain. Cross trumpets were a battalion chief. Three trumpets were an assistant chief. Four trumpets were a deputy chief. Five trumpets were a chief. God, the man. You know, and that. Here comes more thunder. <laughs> more thunder? <laughs> You, uh, speaking of, of chiefs, you know what chaos means, don't you? Yeah. Probably you're not shaking your head. I know you know, because you used to be one of them. <laughs> the interesting thing is, ladder companies use a single axe and a double axe for a lieutenant and a captain. Marine divisions, and this is basically uh, Chicago, Boston, uh, and New York used propellers. I was going to say they used floaties. What? The little arm floaties. <laughs> no, no arm floaties. Uh, <laughs> a single uh, propeller was a Lou. Double propeller was a captain. Rescue companies used a Lyle line gun. Single line gun, Lou. Double line gun, the captain. That's pretty much standard. New York has uh, either on the the shirt collar or on the lapel of the coat. New York went a little different. They used that on the lapel of the coat, on the cap, on the badge. But on their collars, they used military insignia. They used a single silver silver bar for a lieutenant, double railroad tracks, just like an army captain for a, a captain. And then they went with oak leaves, uh, for made or for uh, battalion chiefs, 
and then they went up into the star, uh, just like the army. Chief of the department wears five stars, like a five-star general in a circle. Now, but the basic thing, which is on the uniform, on the badge, or on the hat, is the speaking trumpet from the old days when they uh, they used them to uh, to call forth so they could hear on the fire. Because you didn't have as much noise from engines and stuff in those days as you do now. But, uh, you know, and not everybody had a speaking trumpet either. Like everybody's got a radio now. Yeah, not everybody needs a radio either. That's an interesting... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll never forget a little fire service history for us. I'll never forget working with Maycrans at Station 3. (laughs) And the the new guy would come in and he... I need, need to get my radio... And he turned to look at him. And said, you don't need no damn radio. You just need to be able to hear, not be able to transmit. Let me take <laughs> care of that. And he took the radio, and he would do something to cover up some of the pins so they could only hear. They wouldn't be able to transmit anything. I was like, holy shit! Holy crap. <laughs> or, or he'd take that radio and he'd give him a pager. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's 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 a lot of it is a. Uh, a lot of it's unique, and, and some of it, you know. But ask you guys thoughts. What are your thoughts on uh, on the new apparatus? Do you mean the ones with engines? Well, Skip, let me let me put it to you this way. I, I've seen a resurgence, and I, I like this a lot, of the old school black over red, the old buggy style. So you know, you, you start to see that. And, of course, we have the clean cab concepts and yada, 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 yada. But everything old is new. And that's why I tell some of my folks that it's all on a big wheel. Um, when yeah. I first started in the fire service, Skip, you were teaching me smoothbores. And a lot of the guys from FDMY in Boston were teaching smoothbores. And then we went to um, the, the fog nozzle. And, of course, Lloyd Lehman, who invented the damn thing, didn't know what he was talking about. And we had a better way to use it. And then, and uh, I know Bobby kind of appreciates all that, but, uh, you know, and, and now we've kind of come back almost full circle. And, you know, as far as the apparatus goes, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter. We, we have to modernize. We have to keep up with the demand and our, you know, our service requirements. But when you get that new piece of apparatus, have a housing for your apparatus, have the guys back it in, push it in the firehouse and, and I, you know, I still look at some of the things that I've learned from our, our guys in you know, New York, uh, York, actually, York, PA, uh, Boston, Baltimore, some of those you know, older, more established, you know, uh, Chicago, all these different places where, you know, and I remember in Ocean City when we would back the apparatus in and it was kind of like a little bit misty out or whatever, we would, we would wash the apparatus down just to keep yeah. the road dirt off of it because we had pride in it. And then Skip Carey comes along and says, why are you why are you hosing out the wheel wells of that apparatus and young kid goes well that's what i was taught how to do but do you know why you're doing it well because my senior man said or the captain lieutenants to do it well no back in the days when uh they used to have horse-drawn apparatus that's where all the horse shit got flung up in there and that was tradition that when they got back the young guy hosed out the wheel wells to get the horse crap out of it and they had no idea they just did it so, you know, we haven't seen the, you know, the tail end or the south end of a northbound horse in a long time, but all those little things come back around. So, you know, 
you know, and I look at some of the tradition, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up with this, Skip, because kind of dovetails into what you're talking about. When I came into this new department here, again, we don't have a lot of history, but we have some, and there are some good traditions, um, one of which we have a lot of volunteers. When they go on to career service somewhere else, we take their, uh, their, their pass tag. We have a little plastic uh, passport style, and we put it underneath the fire department patch of where they go. There's a big display board in the fire station. So it's like, and they, a lot of those guys come back, but one of the, one of the first chiefs, I've never met him. I wouldn't, boy, he's been long since gone. One of the first chiefs of my department, and we don't have a lot of great written history was a man named William Ernst and his daughter is one of the first ladies auxiliary members, but also still lives in the community with her husband, who's one of our longest serving volunteers. And, you know, he's suffered strokes, heart attacks, everything you can possibly imagine. But, you know, he's, I call him the Iron Man because, you know, you just, no matter what, he's still there. So we had a firefighter of the year award and certainly, you know, keeping with tradition, we name a firefighter of the year every year that was done well before I became a, a chief here. But I say, you know what? We need to memorialize because in the sands of time, William Ernst Jr. is going to, he's an obscure name. Nobody knows who he is. Our Firefighter of the Year Award is the William J. Ernst Jr. Firefighter of the Year Award. So now one of our first chiefs of that department, the, the person whose shoulders I'm standing on, who I've never met, is memorialized in that department. So that's an opportunity, You know, no matter how traditional or longstanding your department is, how much they've been into tradition, not into tradition, is you can look and, and look at the people who've built that. I mean, you know, Skip, one, one of these days there might be a toilet seat in Ocean City named after you. Who knows? But you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing behind it is take these people that have been part of our history, part of our culture, and don't don't let their name and contribution go by the wayside. I'm not saying that we got to create a medal for every person that ever existed in our fire department, but look at these people who were huge, huge building blocks of our departments. And I, I said this to Ben, Skip, and you'll, you'll remember this vividly. Um, at the old uh, Salisbury Fire Headquarters, I still remember upstairs in the meeting room, if you went in the meeting room and you're kind of looking back towards the chief's, chief's offices on the left-hand side, there were always like kind of flipboards. And they had all the pictures literally from some of the big industrial mill fires back in the 1800s and early 1900s where you know, the city of Salisbury you know, horse-drawn steamers were operating. And it was just fascinating to me, you know, even coming from an older East Coast fire department to go and see even more history when we were up there in Salisbury and look through that. And then you saw some common names, you know, that are still in that fire department today. And, and I've had the privilege of serving either directly or indirectly with some of those people. Um, and actually, Ben, do you, could you, can you pop up that one, that one of those pictures I sent you and see if Skip... Yeah. This, this isn't ancient, ancient, but Skip, do you recognize anybody in this picture? It's a little water damaged, but can you throw that close up to him? The second one I sent you? Yeah. That's uh, my boy. Yes, it is. Billy. Yeah, when he was yes. on my ladder company. Yeah, yes, my son. Is. But back up to the other one, Ben. That's that skip was a control burn in Berlin when all of us used to get together. And yeah. if, if you look, there's there's Billy on the far left. There's Bobby Massey, Raymond Redden. Um, the, 
the, the guy back there in the black coat from uh, Deal Island Chance Fire Department, Steve Willing, um, yeah. who's actually, he's actually a pastor now. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. I just, you know, but a hey, great guy myself. I mean, you, this is what we used to do. And when we had, when we had a, a, a control burn, we would get together the guys from Berlin, Salisbury, Ocean City, Ocean Pines, you know, all points in between. But yep. So, you know, when you talk about a, you know, a, a skip carry, and then you're looking at the left-hand side of this picture. This this is back in the gosh late '80s, in this one, yeah, probably. Yeah. And yeah. and there, there you know, there there's there's your boy, yeah, in that one. So yeah, and you see a lot of those repetitive names, and, and these are people that we've you know, look at the history and what they've contributed to our our industry over the years. And even if you're a first generation firefighter, your history is now, and that's a powerful thing. You don't realize it yet, but you. Know, you live part of your history now and be good at it and you seek you, not to make a name for yourself, but just seek to left, leave a good impression that when you leave this industry, that they look back upon you favorably to say, Hey, you were, you were somebody that helped us build this department, this industry, this engine company, this truck company, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Uh, and whether you were operational, administrative, whatever the case is, live your history now. Trevor in your department, have you, do you have or have you tried to uh, get uh, pictures of, oh, damn it, I, this is a, wait a minute. I can't, I'm used to touch screens and I can't get this damn arrow to go where I want it to go. Have, do you have pictures of your uh, previous chiefs? Actually, Skip, it's funny you say that. That's that's an endeavor I'm trying to get into. We have a um, one of our former mayors actually served as one of our assistant chiefs some years ago and is kind of the unofficial town historian. And what I'm trying to do is update the website. I'm not a tech guy by any means, but I'm trying to not only get the original history. I have some of the old um, minutes from the first organizational meetings. But I, I want to get pictures and put and put them up that we have a timeline. And we might not be able to get all of it, but the longer we wait, more oh, the, yeah. me the memories, some of these things fade, some of the pictures, you know, just like the ones I put up um, and I said, Ben, some of those were, you know, water damaged and, you know, things happen over time. But either way, the short answer to you is, you know, yes, Skip, I'm, I'm working vigorously right now to try to not only obtain some of our history, but preserve some of our history. And One even like things. Ocean City, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll say this and I'll be done with it. Even like Ocean City, you know, I look at a lot of the great history we have here. They are a lot of the great names. Do you remember when we put the, um, you know, the, the boot prints, the stencils yeah. of the boot, boot prints on the ground? And to me, that's something very significant. Baltimore City wound up doing that. And I've told people this before. When um, I had the privilege and opportunity to go up to Baltimore City Fire Department and, you know, teach at a uh, rookie class or a proby class and uh tim jershai was with me and he stood in the 115th set of uh, boot prints there and we asked the recruit class what these mean and they kind of had an idea but when you could point over and say do you see where that man over there is standing that firefighter he's standing in his his grandfather's boot prints this is a this is a living breathing person so you know whether again you're first generation or twelfth generation, your your history is is your history. Be proud of it and you know, make make a make an impression. Why I asked is 
we had one heck of a time in Salisbury of getting all of the old ones because it goes back to 1872. And uh, in Ocean Pines, Jackie and I managed to get all of them, which wasn't that nowhere near as long up until we left. And then I don't know what they've done now. Can you see this? Mm-hmm. That's Billy, my oldest, <laughs> with his coat and helmet and stuff. I was number seven. He was seven and a half. One of the other things, Trevor, that, that you uh, you mentioned is, you know, honor. You get an honor. And all of us here have got some honors, some some awards and stuff, state or or Firehouse Magazine or whatever. But you know, one of the, in 51 years, one of the most rewarding things that I received when we did, and Brian Records and I were in charge of the, of the uh, museum room and the, and the new fire station when they were building it. And the wall that's going, ironically, goes down by the restroom. <laughs> and the uh, the offices, they put different things, different people. And until that got put up, I did not know that they had selected me to be one of the people on that wall. That, that's been the neatest thing. And I've been in MSFA, and I've got their awards and stuff, and and I've got Firehouse Magazine and, and a couple of boards from the MSP. But that, very simple. And, and they kept it from me, you know. I mean, yeah, I, we, I would look, we'd have the layouts, and there'd be the pictures of the different people, of Tony and, and uh, Tubner and, and some of the other ones. And uh, they kept that complete. But that, that simple thing like that, like you said, that that's... You know, that's the I, I and every time I walk in there, I walk by, look at it, you know, <laughs> see how handsome I am. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I put a picture up when I was assistant chief. I would, yeah, I know, Bobby. <laughs> and I would have rather have done it with a ladder captain. But I think the thing that I will remember most about 51 years are the friends. Stuff I made in the good times, like coming down the stairway, or like uh, my battery is very low. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> it's so low it cut him off. Now that that wasn't his pacemaker battery, right? That was his phone battery. <laughs> I think he went back to his laptop. Hey oh, Ben, okay. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and do my closing comments. Yeah. And that yeah. done out of the way for an hour now. Um, so Skip asked a really good question. He asked what we thought about the new apparatus. And I, I try to, everyone's heard of a litmus test, right? So, like, if, 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 if a girl's nervous that she's late, she takes a, a little litmus test, and it's either she's pregnant or she's not pregnant. So it's a yes or a no, okay? You know what I'm talking about, right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, my litmus test in the fire service is, uh, in my opinion, the fire service has become very um, engine-centric. Uh, for 49 out of 50 fires, you don't have anybody trapped. It tends to lead us down the road of uh, being very heavy on engine work and policies and procedures. 
So I'm going to tell a little bit of a story. And then this is my litmus test for everything, for equipment, for training, for SOGs, for anything that you can think of in the fire service, use this. So you're an eight-year-old and you're home with your parents and you're having a great day. And it's a wonderful day. Mom's cooked your, your favorite food. You know, she's cooked you some grilled cheese and some baked beans. And uh, and uh, you, you love it. And you're tired. And mom sends you up to bed. She tucks you in, gives you a kiss, and she goes away. And mom and dad spend the time to have a little couple of drinks. Um, they, they, in turn, go up to bed. And, and poor mom has forgot that uh, pot of beans on the stove and left the stove on. Um so the stove catches on fire, um, and, and you're sleeping. You're eight years old. You're very happy. You're comfortable. You're in your favorite blanket or your favorite pajamas, and you hear a noise. And the noise is a smoke detector going off. You've never heard that. And it, it makes you curious as to what's going on. And you notice smoke coming into your bedroom door, and you wonder what that is. And now you become a little bit scared. And so now you go to the bedroom door and you open the door and yell for mom and dad and there's no reply. And now as an eight-year-old, you're very, very scared. Um, and, and you try to go to mom and dad's room, but it, 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 your natural instincts say this is, this is bad. And so you go back into your room and now you're terrified. And, and you know that there's a fire and you don't know what to do. Now you start to feel sleepy. You're tired. And finally, you lay down on that floor and you lose consciousness. So whenever you talk about designing an apparatus, developing a training technique, making an SOG, discussing staffing with your councils, whenever you talk about any of that stuff, anything that impacts getting the eight-year-old in flannel pajamas laying on that bedroom floor is a really, really big deal. So walk lightly. Think hard and everything you design. I don't want firefighters to have cancer. I hate cancer. I've had loved ones die from cancer. I get it. Um, I, I know that we don't go to a lot of fires with people trapped. I understand that. I know our staffing has been gutted over the years from either a, a, a lowering of volunteerism or a lowering of money to pay for fire departments. But all those things said, at the end of the day, what we're here for, we talk about the, we talk about the Maltese Cross, we talk about the helmet, it's all about that eight-year-old's got eight breaths left, and it's our job to get them out. And so always think about your victims when you're creating these policies. Always think about your victims, and then you, you, you won't go astray. It, may, it doesn't mean you can do everything, but at least you have the focus where it needs to be. Because when we're standing outside in our half-million-dollar apparatus, wearing our $5,000 worth of gear, uh, we're in a safe place. Uh, that eight-year-old is not. So that's just that's how I always try to try to try to approach uh, decision making with training and everything else, um, because I think a lot of times the poor eight-year-old in flannel pajamas get lost in the wash um, in our decision making, and that that is truly why we're here. We don't just we shouldn't just say we're here for life first and then property. We should be about that. So. That's my closing statements. I'm so sorry Skip dropped off of here because um, he's a wonderful guy. He's, it's, I've known him for a very long time. Um, and thank you both of you guys for being on here with me. This is, it was kind of a fun time to just beat around a tradition and things like that. Thanks, Bobby. You, you muted yourself, Trevor. 
I'm sorry. And uh, Bobby, thank you very much. And you know, truer words have, haven't been said. You're absolutely correct. We talk about this quite a bit and you know, hopefully it resonates and uh, rings true in some people's ears. And that's why uh, I know uh, in Skip's area of the country right now, actually where you guys are, we're having some pretty horrific weather come across and they were experiencing some severe lightning and power outages, especially where he was. He saw the flashes of lightning earlier, but to Bobby's point, um, you know, that's something that Skip passed along you know, very, very early on. I mean, yeah, he, he comes from a different generation. He passed along all those great best practices to us, but everything was centered around the people were there to serve. And yes, I mean, and as, as Skip had put one time on, you know, if he remembers this or not, when we always talked about, you know, who priority number one was, we always defaulted to the firefighter because, you know, oh, we got to take care of our own, take care of our own. But he said, look, there's priority one and priority one a it's not priority one and, and, and priority two and it's you the people you're serving with and the people you're serving for and he lumped them all into one big group so there was never any striation between the three he said look we're all we're all important that to bobby's point that eight-year-old kid in the flannel pajamas at the end of the hallway might not have much of a chance if unless we get there and do the best we can with our knowledge and training and making sure that we're giving our A game each and every time. And at the same time, we wouldn't be here if there wasn't that need. Um, and so, you know, the people we serve are, you know, just on, on that level playing field with the people that we're serving with and ourselves. And, you know, yes, you know, we can we can kind of pat ourselves on the back and say, yes, we do this, we do that, and um, which I'm, I'm not taking anything away from us or our industry. But Bobby's point is, is very well founded. And, and you know, people like Skip were always the one to say, hey, are you willing to make that push? And if you are willing to make that push, I'm going to give you every possible advantage through training, knowledge, experience to be able to get down the end of that hallway. And if you can't get there, it just wasn't meant to be. But it's not going to be for lack of trying or lack of knowledge or lack of uh, training. And so I think that's an important thing to pass along. Um, you know, again, I, I see Skip kind of flashing down there in the, in the bottom right-hand corner. I hope he's able to come on. But, you know, Skip's one of those guys who he, I'm, I'm he's back, always – gang. <laughs> oh, yay. I, look, I, I, well, you might want to go. I was getting ready to say nice stuff about you while you were going. But, oh. um, you know, but, but Skip, you know, he's always been one of those guys who, you know, that was the first and foremost. It was it was service or others and how are we going to get the job done the best we can and, you know, be a – be a practitioner of your craft. And you know, it was always that pride in saying, you know, if, if you're going to be a firefighter, you know, it's not, it's not that the public looks at you as a firefighter, but also that person you're going to rescue and your brothers and sisters, you know, one of the greatest compliments that, you know, I can imagine receiving. And I've, I've you know, heard it a couple of times, which I'm very grateful for is when one of the people you work with go, wow, that guy or that girl, they're a firefighter. And it doesn't matter about the glitter shit on your collar or the speaking trumpets or anything else. At the end of the day, when they say, you know, when I can look and say, hey, Skip, I see your love line on your hand. I'm not sure what that means, what's going to happen later on, but that's never mind. Um, but, but you know, but when, when someone can say that, you know, Ben Waple, Skip Carey, Bobby McGee, they're a firefighter, regardless of what rank or title or anything else that you've uh, ascended to during your career. That is the beginning and the end because you know, that is the tradition of service that we have. That's what's been taught. Um, you know, Skip has made a point of that to 
bring that to the generations. And, you know, he's he served for well over a half a century. Think about that, people. Half a century of not only doing the job, but making sure others can carry those things on in the future. So with that, uh, I want to say thank you all of you. But Skip, much love and respect, brother. And um, thank you for being on tonight. So with that, I'll turn it over to uh, Skip for you for your final comments. And then, Ben, you'll take us home. As far as I'm on my phone now, I finally found it. And uh, I, I, like I say, I hate technology. But is it uh, is it a rotary phone? <laughs> Never mind. No, Go ahead. It's not, it's not the phone either. <laughs> uh, first off, thank you immensely for even asking me to do this. You know that within itself is on. the second thing is more of a personal nature to each one of you i consider you my brothers when i say that i don't say that to everybody that's a fireman i say that because i know one very simple thing if i were trapped in a building and either one of you were coming for me one of two things would happen i'd get out of the building or i'd die with a friend that, that I mean from the bottom of my heart. That's how much I think of, of the three of you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, just, it's just one of the best things in the world, the friends that I've made, you know, and, and that. And uh, that doesn't mean we always agree. You know, but that means that when it comes down, to life or death, we're there for either one of us. And uh, the end result is that we're willing. I feel you all are, and I know I am. I'm willing to, if, if it means me sacrificing to get you out, I'll do it. You know, because you're my brothers. Guys. And I'll put my grave thinking that. And I expect each and every one of you to be there, at least to drink the Guinness and the Jamesons at the wake. And to tell the story, not in church, but at the wake, you can tell the story, all of them, you know, <laughs> even the ones from uh, out in FDIC, Bobby, when we roomed together. <laughs> so, guys, be safe out there, for God's sake. You're still on the line. Be safe, because they're killing us, and they're trying to, you know. I love you all very much. I love you. Cheers, Skip. Love you, brother. Cheers. Yeah. Slanche. Whoops. I can't. Yeah, there we go. Well, we'll wrap it up here and, and take Thirsty Thursday, number 25, to the across the finish line. Again, thank you, Skip, for joining us. It's always a pleasure to get to, to chat. It's even better when we get to talk about the history and, and traditions that of the fire service that we love so dearly. Uh, for those new folks, if, if you're new to the fire service, you're watching this and, and you want to learn more about the history and tradition, one of the favorite things, one of my favorite things that I've read or that I've looked into or that I've researched, and I'm going to throw a little little credit to Rick Lasky, but the Pride and Ownership book um, for from uh, fire engineering, it's fantastic. Um, get that. I can tell you. Salisbury Fire Department. We've we've read the book. We use a lot of the stuff out of it, um, and and there's still a bunch more good stuff in there. So if you're curious about it, um, get.
get the book, read it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I've actually read it a couple of times. Um, in addition to doing that, talk to your senior people. Talk. We've talked before about how the senior man, the senior woman, is so important in the fire service, um, in your firehouse. Talk to them. Learn the history. Learn the tradition of your department. Okay. Understand why Salisbury Fire Department, Ocean City, wherever you are, does something a specific way. There's a reason for it. Okay, so understand that. Have an understanding of, of what your guys do and 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 continue that tradition. Um, you know, we always say that there's two things that, that firefighters hate, and that's change and the way things are. But we're going to change, right? Skips all go from horses to steamers to, to motorized fire apparatus. We're going to see it change to, to something in the future. And, and like, we, we don't like the way it is now. We don't like the way it is in the future. But we're going to be there. We're going to see it, and we're going to help facilitate it. So, know know where your know where your department came from. Have a part and and be an active part in where it's going, and and keep doing what you're doing, and and make that make the fire service the best that you can. So, with that being said, we are heading out for tonight. Um, thank you again for everybody for joining us, and we will see you April first. That's not a joke. We will see you April Fools. Cheers, brothers. It's always good to hang out and have a drink with you guys. And good night.